you're listening to Strength and Bonds, an Async Twilight Imperium podcast. Episode 10, BLT's D-Tier Factions. I'm your host, BLT. Look at that, 10 episodes. We did it. Uh, I don't know exactly what we did, but that's two digits and not just one. So that's uh, that's sure something. Uh, I'm not haven't been feeling real great this week, uh, which is never fun around Christmas time. But um, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays to everyone. And as we go into the new year, I am not going to make any Twilight Imperium. Uh, resolutions. Although it would be nice to get a win with the ten factions I haven't won with yet. Maybe that's what I'll I'll keep aiming for. This is going to be a pretty short episode, but I do want to just get something out and touch on a couple things. Uh, the best thing I saw this week, though, was that all my games were super slow. And although that's not normally what I'm looking for, um, that was pretty nice. Really enjoyed spending time with the family. And that was the best thing I saw this week. Um, but I do have a weird game mode of the week. So I saw this come through from Pally. Um, I almost joined this one, but I just, like I said, I'm trying not to join too many new games. Really loved talking to Kyle last week about, uh, kind of getting burned out and stuff. So, but this is from Pally. I don't know what it's called. Maybe extra Ixthian or something. He uh, says it's to 12 points and everything's, uh, standard POK, et cetera, except the, the lore background to this is that the Ixthian artifact is already on Megatol Rex. Like, you already have found it before the game starts. And so, um, if you want to take Custodians, you have to pay six influence. You have to pay it. But then you roll a die. And on one through seven, you explode everything on Rex, three units in each adjacent system, just like as if um, Ixthian artifact went um, badly for you. But this is on one through seven, so it's actually more likely to explode. And... Four units in the player's home system get blown up too for being greedy, he says. So it's even worse. Um, eight through ten, uh, however, it's even better than Ixthian. You not only get the custodians, like you, you know, you 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 do get to land on Megatol Rex, but you get three trade goods, three techs, um, and then all other players get two techs. So again, kind of like Ixthian artifact, but you're rewarded for your uh, uh, bravery, I guess. But here's the other thing too: every time in the future someone wants to land on Megatol Rex. They also have to roll that die. Um, so you don't have to pay the six influence again. It's not for custodians, but you do have to uh, potentially explode everything on Rex. So even you know, you, you go to Megatol Rex, you roll the die, maybe you don't get it, but everything explodes anyway. <laughs> so I, um, I actually need to check in on this one. Um, it looked looked like it could be a lot of fun. Definitely more wacky than normal, which is why I've called it the weird game mode of the week. Um, also want to, of course, hit the tech of the week. We'll get into that right now. Uh, I'm hoping for a non-yellow tech. I feel pretty good about that since there are not that many yellows left. <laughs> we keep hitting up all the yellows. Um, let's see what color we get this week. Maybe a unit upgrade. Nope. Hypermetabolism. That's going to be the tech of the week. Hypermetabolism is a green tech. It has two green prerequisites, and it says during the status phase, gain three command tokens instead of two. Um, so you don't see this research a whole lot. Um, Joel and R can get it 
on round one, which is about the only time this is possibly worthwhile, you just kind of think about it as like, okay, how many command tokens am I going to get out of this? Um, if you research it in round four in a 10-point game, you know, you get like maybe one command token. Uh, so if you're following the secondary, for example, you're spending a command token to get one. Um, if you get it in round one, maybe you get rounds two through five. So that's, what, four more command tokens. So you maybe get net three. Ooh, maybe that's worth it. Um, especially if you're needing greens for some other reason, like trying to get two and two or uh, two and four colors. Maybe you're really trying to go infantry, infantry too. I have no idea. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things, kind of like Starwing Tools or other ones, where it's like really nice to have. It's not great to research. Um, so you, you, know, you love to get this as like round one as Titans or something um, on a research agreement, like just for free, right? Um, I actually think I just got this as SAR round one in a 14-point game. And that's the other thing too. If we're talking 14-point games, this suddenly becomes a lot more interesting to, to grab. So... Um, I, you know, in, in most games are 10 points in, in the community right now. But yeah, in a 14-point game, you know, you actually could see this, except again, has those two green prerequisites, which most factions are not going to be able to get. I think I got this as, as a Sorrow ones instead of their other faction tech, uh, Transparent Steel Plating when I was going on to Biostims. You know, it's it's fine. Um, you do like command tokens. It just doesn't, it just, it's just rarely worth it. I see a lot of homebrew that uh, says that you can, it turns this into a stall, so it's like action, gain a command token. So it's kind of the same idea, except you can uh, use it right when you get it, and you can also use it uh, as a stall, which is convenient, and the idea is then you can use bio stims and actually maybe get two tokens per round off it, which could be kind of cool and maybe worth going green. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a value play. There's nothing really particularly swingy or, or, or exciting about. I guess the final thing I'll just say is, of course, if uh, if Soul gets it, then they get to get four command tokens every status phase, which is just silly and, and kind of fun. So that is the tech of the week. Um, and I'm going to take this into weird rules thing of the week. This is, I guess, inspired from a post Bam Bam made. Um, so he, he, I mean, he just pointed to something out that I actually had never noticed before. So this is what I'm going to... So so he pointed out that um, the crown of Thalnos actually works well with the soul and barony agents. Um, so just really quick, the crown of Thalnos is a relic. It's one of the maybe worst relics. Um, it says during each combat round, this card's owner may reroll any number of their dice, applying plus one to the results. Any units that reroll dice but do not produce at least one hit are destroyed. Um, so, so in a classic use case for this, uh, maybe you're you're rolling ground combat. You both roll. You realize the other, you know, the the attacking force has already killed all your defending units, and so you say, whatever. Let's just re-roll whatever I've got left, and hopefully I can take them out, and we can, you know, have a stalemate, and I'll keep the planet or something like that. Um, because I don't, you know, even if even if uh, the units are destroyed for not producing a hit, you know, they're destroyed anyway from the actual hits or whatever. Um, it just doesn't come up that much. However, the, the workaround here is that any unit that's rolling more than one die can maybe actually uh, do this pretty effectively. So if you've got a War Sun, for example, and you only roll one hit, um, the Crown of Thanos lets you kind of freely re-roll the other two dice from your War Sun, uh, adding plus one to the results. And even if you don't get a hit with those, the hit that you got originally does count. You know, just so, you know, you have to have produced a hit. So, so War Suns, um, some flagships, Nazaroka mechs um, are all actually pretty decent use cases for the Crown of Thalmos because you just kind of get extra rolls. Uh, again, as long as you got one hit, you don't have any risk 
to just re-rolling those dice. So what Bam Bam is pointing out here, and I had not thought about before, is that uh, the barony agent and the soul agents allow one of your units to roll an additional die in that combat round. And so it's a similar deal where suddenly you can take just like a mech or a or Dreadnought or just something that doesn't usually roll more than one, use the agent, suddenly they've rolled two, and now maybe you got a hit with one die. You can re-roll the other safely with Crown of Thalnos. This is silly. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It jumped out at me, so I, uh, I wanted to call this out as the weird rules thing of the week. All right, in the final segment for today, this is something I'm going to come back to uh, when I don't have guests. Um, I'm going to go with the... I'm going to start sharing the BLT faction tier list. Um... This is very much my tier list. This is not meant to say what is better in general. This is not meant to say who is more likely to win your game. This is this is my own tier list, um, and 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 I and I started thinking about my own tier list, but then I also saw Jadim Jedi who posted kind of his suggestion for like how to rank the factions as far as tiers, and it actually aligned really close to how I was thinking about it anyway. Um, so I'm going to read that and, and, and kind of share, like, that's my, the way that I'm approaching this. Um, super high level, before I get into his kind of specific suggestions or whatever, uh, was that, again, this is, this is for me. I'm looking, I'm thinking about myself playing a game. Um, and, and so it's going to be tweaked by the, the fact that, like, I tend to win a lot of the games where I play Calaris or Nazroka, uh, and I have not won a game with Nalu yet or whatever, right? So I know that that's not, like, the meta or like that's not like completely correct but i'm going to um keep that in mind okay so here's uh his jadim jedi wrote this out i really agree with it so i'm gonna read it verbatim uh and and so here we go so s tier for him are i'll be happy to pick them first overall in most multi-drafts don't really care what the slices look like a tier would be i might pick i might first pick them in some drafts uh, and they're often my preferred faction in a lot of drafts. B tier is I try to only take these factions if I'm last pick in Milty and need someone that can work in most slices and most draft picks. C tier is I never want to take these first round of a draft, but they are serviceable with a good slice and good speaker order. So actually just a quick pause there. A lot of my favorite factions I have ended up putting in, in this C tier because... Um, I really like them, but only with the right speaker order and slice. So Muat, for example, if you can give me speaker and, you know, Aaron and Mir or something, um, maybe a cheap yellow skip or something, like, sign me up. I'm very happy to play Muat in that slice. Uh, and so, I, you know, I'm tempted to put them very high because, like, when I play Muat, I have a very good time. I really like them. Um, but in thinking of a, of a tier list, I, I really wanted to take that into account. Like, oh, okay, but I'm not going to take them first pick. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take them very situationally. Um, and so, so some of my favorites may end up in that kind of that C tier, but I think that that resonates to me. Um, it it means B and C tier also are kind of like weird because the B tier factions, like for me personally, may actually be worse than the C tier if the C tier has the right setup. Um, but because C tier is kind of dependent on the setup, that's how I've got it set up right now. Um, and then D tier is can we reroll the draft? You know, like I just I have no interest in playing these people. Um, so this, this, that really resonated to me. And I want to just start today by just going through the D tier. So I'm not going to do the whole episode as a, as a tier list. We're going to space this out over however many episodes it takes. But I'm going to start with the D tier. 
starting from the bottom, although within each tier, there's not a ton of ordering, maybe a little bit. Um, but starting with D tier, I'm going to start with my, my bottom faction, which would be the Barony of Letnev. And the main reason the Barony of Letnev is a reroll D tier for me is because they just don't have any advantages that fit my play style. They don't really have anything that's easy to sell, uh, except, I mean, they do have a decent promissory note, but even that requires combat. Their agent requires combat. Their commander's good if you're doing combat. The hero doesn't exist. Um, their faction abilities have to do with combat. Their amazing six production, maybe 10, uh, 10 or, or sorry, yeah, or six resource, 10 production home system potentially uh, is good if you're doing combat. So people who are barony stands, I have no objection. But for me personally, they just don't do anything helpful that I that I want them to do. They don't have any 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 sneaky way. They don't uh, to to score a point in the end. They don't have any uh, you know flexibility really beyond just having a giant military. And and so again, I'm not saying that they're uh, quote unquote bad, but for me, they would be at the very bottom of my list because they just don't do anything that I value in a faction. And then so uh, the next one coming up, number 24, I guess, is L1Z1X. Very similar idea, except uh, they actually have like just an awful starting tech tree. Um, but the one thing I like about L1 is, is there's at least a little flexibility with the hero. So you can build up some stuff and then the hero can, can be sneaky and like get you somewhere in the, you know, in round five or, or whatever to uh, maybe get a stage two um, I also like capacity, so I actually like that their dreads can carry two things. I know it's kind of a very small thing, but I do like that. Um, but again, a lot of their, a lot of their, you know, their their commander is combat. Their uh, their agent actually is is sort of nice. You can get a little extra value, get some mechs in there. They have a nice promissory note to sell. You usually get a couple trade crews per round off of that. So I've only played L one once. Uh, can't say a ton, but I again just. I don't really know exactly what I'm supposed to do with them because most of their benefits seem to not only be uh, combat-y, but also seem to be not super sneaky, again, except for the hero. And based on that definition from Jedi, that actually is the entire D tier I have, just two factions. Um, I have not tried to put them in 5555 or whatever. Um, so that's the D tier. Next time I do this, we will start with the C tier. And actually, I've split the C tier. It's I actually put a lot of factions into this C tier. So... Um, I have split that into two tiers. I'm uh, just going with the definition that that kind of Jadim Jai shared. So we'll come back to that later. But for right now, the D tier is Barony and L1Z1X. All right, let's finish up today with some various updates. We've got two new ministers in async rank. As a reminder, the minister rank goes to anybody who wins a TIGL game. That's Twilight Imperium Global League and doesn't already have a rank. Uh, although I've heard Beck continuing to campaign, I guess, for um, calling the the unranked rank the Beck rank, uh, which I don't think we'll do officially. But if you would like to consider yourself in the Beck rank before you're a minister, uh, that is fine. He may get a kick out of that. Um, the new ministers since the last episode are Kip Duran and Karenson, both of whom I played against. Um, hopefully I said their names right. Karenson is quite good, always worried he's going to beat me. Uh, every single time I play. And Kip Duran, we have a, a, a bit of a history on, we somehow end up to always be like enemies and support swap, <laughs> like almost every game we're in. So I don't know why that specific dynamic keeps popping up, but glad to see him in as a minister. 
And then a few recent bot updates that are really cool. So let me just go through some of these. If you want to read about this in more detail, of course, check out the bot updates uh, channel. But these are all from Finn. Um, he's added to the agenda. He's added a, a kind of um, automatic, like no wins, no afters button too. So the bot's going to check if you have no wins and no afters. And then according to what you preset it at, or, you know, at some random-ish time interval, it will automatically just say that you have no wins and no afters to, to keep things moving along. Um, it already does this kind of for like, if you don't have a sabotage, it'll just eventually randomly say that you have no sabotage, kind of just keep things moving along. Very cool. Uh, so that's one thing. Also, he's set up a an auto hit assigner for ground combat. So the idea is like, for ground combat, it's pretty straightforward. You pretty much always want to sustain your mechs first and you pretty much always want to kill infantry after that and then mechs. Uh, so... If your opponent produces like three hits, for example, you just hit that button, it'll automatically do that. Sustain mechs first, kill infantry second, kill mechs third. Very slick. I just love this kind of stuff. You know, it's just, uh, we're really spoiled here on the, the ASIC server. Um, and then last, I, I think I've talked about this before. I know a lot of people like to write notes to themselves and try to remember things. Uh, I tend to just... <laughs> Just like reread the board every single time I come back. I don't make a lot of long-term plans. But I think this will be very cool for a lot of people. Um, you can write to future me as one word, space, some message. And do that like in your cards info thread um, or, or wherever. And it will send that message to you at the start of your next turn. So you can say, uh, this is actually one that's relevant for me, is you know, to future me space please remember to use War Machine because <laughs> you keep forgetting to use that action card uh, or, or next you know next time you build. So, and then at the next part of my next turn, it'll send me that message. So that's very cool. It also, Finn also added at the request uh, the ability to do that to other people. So you can do like two future red or two future Hakan or whatever and it'll send them a message at the start of their turn. Um, just again, very, very cool stuff to kind of deal with the unique nature of async. All right, and that's our episode for this week. Thanks again for listening to Strength and Bonds. Have a happy new year, everybody. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and probably a few other places. If you liked this episode, or if you didn't, leave a comment on the episode discussion in Discord, or come by the Sandwich Bar to chat about the show. And remember, go take your turns.